The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And the ridiculous streak continues as the Royals drop to 0-13 when they score three runs or less, 14-0 when they score four or more. Welcome into Clubhouse Conversation. It's your dish for the finale with Toronto as the boys in blue, well, at least the Royal Blue Boys, drop one to the Blue Jay Blue Boys, 7-3 to in Game 3 of this series. And this is a game where actually a decent amount of positives occurred, mainly offensively, but they'll be forgotten and unnoticed unless you're a keen observer of the game. And obviously, since you're listening to this, you live and breathe baseball like myself, so I'm sure you notice most of these things. But, but let's go over them. Offensively, good things, because we've been grilling the offense all year, haven't we? For starters, Billy Butler is starting to look like himself again. He's clubbing the baseball. He's hitting gaps, getting extra base hits. As he drove in two more tonight on two hits, including a big double, easily could have been three runs, uh, had Eric Cosmer not getting thrown out at home plate. We'll talk more about that later. But Butler's starting to look more like his old self. Omar Infante, damn good up there, isn't he? Whether he's in the two-hole or tonight leading off. Two more hits. He just gives you good at-bats nine out of ten times. Professional at-bats. And one thing I've been hearing rumblings from the inside on is how much He has helped Alcides Escobar, just being a role model for him. They're hitting together in their groups. Infante is kind of rubbing off on Escobar. If you've noticed, Escobar's approach has been fantastic all year. Again tonight, he had another base knock the other way. He's not afraid to hit the ball to right center anymore, down the line and right. Not afraid to bunt. It's great to see. He's not trying to hit home runs as he did for maybe the last year and a half. He's back to his old self in Escobar. A lot of that, I think, you know, is owed to Omar Infante. So both of those two, Escobar got kind of robbed on another hit tonight on a great play in center field by Colby Rasmus. So nice job by those three, Butler, Escobar, and Fonte. Also, Eric Hosmer, man, I ripped up my home run ticket I bought in Las Vegas at the LVH. I put 15 bucks on him winning the home run crown at 100 to 1 to win 1,500. I was sure when I did that he would instantly go on a home run barrage. But, you know, give me some credit. He didn't get the home run I thought he would in this Toronto series, but he did hit some balls very well. He's hitting the ball with authority. He went off the fence tonight in the third inning. In his first A.B. there in the bottom of the first, he hit one foul that would have been off rivals, and he squared it up and straightened it out a little bit there. So, you know, the last couple games, Hosmer's been hitting the ball a lot better. He's getting there, so give me at least a little bit of credit. I've, I've taken him from pure singles to extra base hits, and the home run barrage will start soon as Eric is swinging the bat better. So those are the good parts of the offense. Then, of course, there's the bad. Um, the fact that the Royals only got three runs off Mark Burley. Because really, the Royals should have had five tonight. And if you get five runs off Mark Burley, I mean, that's really good. The guy's ERA is 2.25 even after tonight. So first of all, you had the absolute base-running blunder by Dale Swaim in the bottom of the third. Let's recap. There's nobody out. So, you know, Billy Butler singles to left. You've got runners at second and third. You've got Omar Infante, who scores easily on the single. By the way, a great piece of hitting by Billy, too. One ball, two strikes, reaching out, slapping the ball through the hole at shortstop. Professional hitter right there. Gets it in Fonte. Hosmer reaches third base. I was at the game tonight. Right as Anthony Ghost got the ball in his glove. Now, granted, just up for the minor leagues, you don't know a lot about him. Maybe you just assume the Melky Cabrera is still out there in left field. But with nobody out, it gives you a 2-1 to one lead. And you've got Salvador Perez coming up, Alex Gordon coming up. 
and Danny Valencia. So if you got the next two guys coming up with nobody out, either of them gets a ground ball up the middle or a fly ball, it scores the run, and you get another run. So I did not agree with sending Eric Hosmer. He was clearly out of the plate. I know Ned Yost you know, defended Dale Swim after and said he liked it. That's fine. He's got a backus guy. It wasn't an absolute you know, horrible play, but I just don't think in a game like this against a pitcher like Mark Burley, you know, you can say the Royals are, are, are struggling to score runs, which is largely true, although they have been swinging the bats better in recent days. I just think in that situation with your money hitters coming up, your RBI guys only needing a fly ball or a ground ball, I don't, I don't think you send them there. But anyway, water under the bridge, it happened. That was one negative. And then there's the fact that the Royals continue to struggle mightily at situational hitting. So I'm kind of, in a way, talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'll admit that because I just said they should have held the runner at third, and now I'm complaining about their lack of situational hitting. So I will acknowledge that. I am, to a degree, talking out of both sides of my mouth. However, it depends on the hitters coming up. you got to know where you're at in the lineup if you're Dale Swaim. So tonight, for example, it was Justin Maxwell in the bottom of the sixth inning. Royals down by one, four to three. Alex Gordon, ground ball down the right field line, gets by first base, just fair, leadoff double. Then he advances to third and a nice piece of hitting by Danny Valencia. Used the middle part of the field. A fly out to Colby Rasmus in center. So you've got a runner at third with one out, but then Justin Maxwell, very uninspiring four-pitch at bat. Didn't even get a full swing on the, the third strike. you got to get that run in, man. Third base and one out. you got to get that run in. Infield in. Add 100 points to your batting average is the old adage. But again, going back to the Dale Swaim, you had Salvador Perez and Alex Gordon coming up versus Justin Maxwell and Gerard Dyson. So I might have been, you know, favoring Dale Swaim to send that runner with different hitters coming up. So anyways, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth a little bit. I'm, just, I'm acknowledging that, though. But those are the two things negative-wise I took from the game. So you can look at it either as the Royals had a pretty good night offensively because they should have easily had five off Mark Burley, or you can look at it as frustrating that they didn't get from a lack of situational hitting and some questionable base running tonight. But Toronto held on tonight, and that brings us to pitching tonight, too. So Jeremy Guthrie looked good the majority of the night. You know, it wasn't his best night, but I thought he looked pretty good. And he got squeezed big time by home plate umpire John Tumpain. So, by the way, I, I, I kind of was excited when I heard that Bob Davidson was not umpiring home plate. Bob Davidson is a horrible major league umpire. So I thought we dodged a bullet by getting this John Tumpain kid, but... Maybe I should have wished for Bob Davidson, Balkan Bob Davidson, to be out there behind home plate. As I thought Guthrie got squeezed a few times, especially early. The strike zone got better and more consistent as the night went on, but the first couple innings were rough there for the home plate umpire. Guthrie finished six innings, four runs, eight hits, four strikeouts, two walks. Not a bad start for him. Solid start, average start. Um, Give you some innings, kept you in the game. But it was the eighth inning where things got away. And I've defended Ned Yost almost entirely this year when people go off the deep end. I've really only been down on two, two uh, decisions he made this year. Tonight's number three. Seventh inning. Let's, let's step back here. So you, seventh inning, you're down by one. You bring in Michael Marriott, my Husker, my boy from Nebraska. I'm a Nebraska graduate myself. So I was happy to see him come in, did a nice job there. In the seventh, you bring him back out for the eighth. Makes sense. Your bullpens, you know, five relievers were used last night. It's not 100% right now. Tonight, you're minus one reliever, essentially, because you can't use Duffy because he's going to play you know, on, on Saturday. I'm assuming they're going to start him for Bruce Chen on Saturday. I'm assuming Tim Collins will also be called up before the game tomorrow. But So you're down one reliever tonight. You used your entire bullpen pretty much last night. So I, I'm fine going to him for the second inning. Fine. But then things start going downhill in a hurry. There's a leadoff walk allowed to Navarro, and right then the bullpen's got to get up. You're down by 
one run, like we keep saying, against a horrible bullpen. You're in their bullpen. You're at home going for the sweep. You've got to go for the win tonight. You're within one run. You still have two more at-bats. Leadoff walk to Navarro. The bullpen's got to be up. But it's not. Okay? So then a single is allowed to Juan Francisco. You've got two on, nobody out. Surely Ned gets the bullpen up there in a one-run game, right? Nope. Brett Laurie then, an infield single, which should have really been a, a clean single to the outfield to score a run. Alcides Escobar made a great play to stop the ball and keep the bases loaded and not allow a run in there. And then finally, bases loaded, nobody out. Ned Yost gets the bullpen up. No stalling out there. No him walking out. No Dave Island. Just gets Lewis Coleman up finally, who was fully available tonight after not getting in the game last night. Then he walks in a run, Myriad does, on four pitches to Colby Rasmus. And finally, Ned Yost decides to make the move. Too late, though, man. you you got to have that. You know, I'll give him two batters there. Two guys get on, but nobody out. He's out of the game. you got to have Lewis Coleman up. If not at the start of that second inning for Marriott in a close game for a kid that really hasn't pitched, that's probably the biggest game he's pitched in this year. Typically, they're blowouts or the Royals are behind. You know, his second inning, one-run game, you know, that if you're not having them up to start the inning, they've got to be up for sure after that first hitter, and you've got to have them out after the second hitter. Ned didn't do that. Coleman comes in by then. You know, a, a run had already been walked in by Marriott, then a double that sealed the game is Anthony Ghost put one in the gap. I just didn't understand that right there. I think Ned Yost should have had the bullpen up quicker, but didn't happen, and it's a little bit more perplexing to me as we talked last night about how Danny Duffy was treated, how short of a leash he got after being purely, for the most part, dominant out of the pen this year, and then you've got Michael Marriott, who's He's been okay, you know, certainly not as good as Duffy had been, certainly not with the track record or the upside as Duffy. One-run game where you're behind right in the game, and you let him go out there longer. I know you had less guys available, so I'm just talking in circles here. Move on. Two out of three is great. I just thought it was questionable tonight, the handling of that eighth inning, and again last night with Danny Duffy. But again, two out of three is good from Toronto. Be happy. Move on. And the pitching looks pretty good this weekend against Detroit. You start off with James Shields against Rick Porcello in a game that is near must win for this series tomorrow. If you're going to win two out of three, got to win tomorrow. James Shields versus Rick Porcello. The Royals have an edge tomorrow. The rest of the weekend, you've got to give a slight edge to Detroit. Danny Duffy against Drew Smiley. Smiley's been tough on the Royals, and they seem to never hit lefties in recent years or the last 20 years, either way. <laughs> and then you have Jason Vargas against Justin Verlander, slide edge to Verlander in that one. So get that game tomorrow and find a way to split those last two. You cap off two out of three from Detroit. Get yourself to within one game of first, and you have a four and two homestand. That would be a great way to head out on the road for some winnable games coming up on this next road trip. So there you go. That wraps up the Toronto series. Overall, you got to be happy. Two out of three from the Blue Jays. We get to miss Max Scherzer this weekend. There's no uh, Anibal Sanchez as he's injured as well on the DL. And I'm excited to see what I'm assuming Danny Duffy can do on Saturday. The only other option would be maybe Aaron Brooks, who's on the 40, but I don't see the rails bringing him up over Danny Duffy. It's a good time to get Danny Duffy extended back out and get him back in that rotation with Bruce Chen missing some time. He had a, a side session today, if you didn't hear, and had trouble even walking off the field, stopped it in the middle. So Chen will be going to the 15-day deal tomorrow. Hopefully it's a short-term thing for him. I've had sciatica before, struggled with back problems when I played baseball back in my high school days, and it's not fun. So hope Bruce gets well soon. 
All right, thanks for having us on tonight. Not too much else to say about this one. The Royals go for a weekend series victory against Detroit. We'll have it here for you all weekend on Clubhouse Conversation. Until then, have yourself a great Friday, and we'll have plenty of baseball all weekend. Love this time of the year. The weather's getting warm as well. Hope to see you out there at the K.